Just before we get started tonight, I just want to do a little intro here on who I am because some of you I have no idea. I know during the week of training and stuff like that, you probably didn't even see me. I am a full-time staff person here, but I know this is the first time I have actually been with the whole summer staff throughout this, uh, this um, as the summer has started. And yeah, I just live in my little hole down in the nature center, um, come out when it's hungry. Uh, and you know, it's time to, to eat or something. But anyway, for those of you who do not know who I am, my name is Michael Lane. I am full-time staff here. I've been over, well going, been here over 18 years now. And um, my job besides the Nature Center is I am one of the primary uh, Bible teachers that we have here. I do most of the speaking. I speak uh, on occasion in a gathering place. Um, and Fort sends me out and speaking at different places also. And so I do a lot of that. And so speaking in front of groups, that's basically what I do. So I know I have not met many of you. Many of you, I have no idea who you are, so you have no idea who I am, but I have a name tag. So yeah, I'm official. Um, but I just wanted to tell you, you know, let you know who in the world is talking to you. I have been doing the summer staff Bible studies, oh, since about 2002, I guess, somewhere in there. Um, and we have done all different types of things in the past. This year, um, we're going to be doing something specifically on the topic. Our, our theme, you know, this year is, you know, I, the Lord, do not change. And we're going to be... Um, Tonight's lesson is actually just an introduction for this thing. I'm not going to get too much into things tonight, too heavy onto anything. I just want to introduce to you what our topic is going to be. And as we get into that, um, then there's afterwards what we do is we break up into small groups. I know the leaders that have been chosen to do this, you've got the questions and stuff. I, for those of you who do know who I am and I often expect to see handouts with me, I don't have handouts made. Um, sorry, uh, I saved a tree. Um, but normally I have tons of handouts. But anyway, uh, I am a former teacher. That's what I, I do. I was a teacher for 25 years in public, in, um, public schools and private schools. I have taught grades, first grade through college. So I have, I've taught a lot of different ages. Uh, most of my career I spent with high school students. I taught primarily the advanced biological sciences, things like microbiology, biotechnology, AP biology, human anatomy, physiology. I taught those kind of classes. And that's what I, I love doing that kind of thing. So yeah, I'm a science person. I've also got a teaching minor in history. And I like to pull in a lot of history and archeology span and stuff with the Bible, which you will see a little bit of that in one of the lessons that'll come up here. So with that, I just wanted to introduce who I was so you guys get to know who I am. And we'll be doing these on Sunday nights and now you have found out, for those of you who have never been here on Summer Staff before, what happens if it rains? We get shoved into this room. So that's okay. I speak a lot in this room um, throughout the year. So this is not unusual to, to use this room as a speaking room. But with that, let's go ahead and we'll, we'll begin. I'm going to start with prayer and then we'll get into this lesson here tonight. So Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity we had and we thank you for this day that we've had in serving you. And Lord, we just ask that you would just bless our time now. As Lord, we've had our first busy day of the first family camp is now behind us. And pretty much we just now ask as we settle down here that you calm us, but Lord, that your spirit, uh, the comforter also come along and teach us. You tell us in scriptures in the book of Corinthians that your spirit, Lord, is the one that teaches. So I pray that Lord, tonight as we start opening up your word to look at things that Lord, you would just teach us. 
that you would help us to focus. Because as we do a Bible study, actually that's a form of worship. Because as we explore what your word says, we, we hold you in more esteem. And we let those things that you teach us transform us in our lives. And that is a form of worship. So we ask that you would just bless this time as we focus now on a lesson and just calm down and see what your spirit will tell us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is an introduction. The series that I actually wrote for this is called God's Messages for Modern Society. And there's a lot of different topics, which I'll tell you what the topics are tonight. But just to let you know, in the future, I see some of you came prepared. You go to a Bible study, you brought a Bible. That's awesome. That means like, ooh, 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 that, that is really good. When you, when you bring a Bible, that is good. You bring a Bible to a Bible study, that's what they're for. Um, dictionaries don't work as well, even though when you think the Word of God has all these words in it, thus the Word of God is actually in a dictionary in a way, um, it's not quite the same. You need that kind of thing. So, and you bring a Bible. See, Bibles are important to bring, particularly when you go to a Bible study. So, as we go into this tonight, let me tell you about something that happened a long time ago. Back when I was in sixth grade, I went to um, a public school, and something traumatic happened to me on this one day in sixth grade. And it was a bad situation in a way. It, it was something that really enlightened me. What had happened was this. I was in the science classroom in sixth grade, and it wasn't the normal classroom that we normally sat in. We got moved for some reason that I don't remember now, but they moved us into like the eighth grade science room. And in this eighth grade science room was Mrs. Ward's room. I remember that. And my teacher, I think, was Mr. Nutsall, I think was his name. <laughs> yeah, I learned a lot from him. Anyway. Um, as we were sitting there in the class, and you know, you're paying attention, the, then as the class went on, the bell starts to, you know, gets ready to ring. We're all watching the clock, as y'all people do. As we were doing this, what ended up happening was the bell rang, and we started putting our pens in our little pouches, and this is before the days of backpacks. This is when we manly men carried our books to class with our arms, showing the guns that we had. And as we did this, of course, what kind of guns do you have in your sixth grade? You know, little 22s or 25s. Anyway, uh, <laughs> as we were carrying these things, uh, packing up our books and stuff like this, I got up out of my chair to exit the room. The guy who was sitting next to me, his name was Bill. Bill sitting next to me, he says to me, he says, what's that in your pocket? Now, in my shirt pocket up here, I had a Bible, a little New Testament that my dad had given me the Sunday before. It was just a New Testament. Um, and by the way, I will tell you right now, I was not a Christian at this point. I became a Christian in, at the end of my eighth grade year. But I grew up in a really strong Bible-believing family. And I mean, going to church was like, I thought everybody did that. It was like every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, we were at church. And it was, I thought going to church was like, you know, like eating and breathing. I thought everybody does that kind of thing. Well, he said, what's that in your pocket? And I pulled out my little New Testament. And I said, this is a New Testament that my dad gave me. And his response to that really shocked me. Because he says, are you kidding? You're carrying a Bible? And he said, no, no one believes that stuff anymore. That's what he said to me. 
No one believes that stuff anymore. You are so behind in the times, he said. No one trusts that. No one believes in that. And the guy was really ridiculing me. And I didn't know how to respond. I've never had anybody say to me that this is old-fashioned stuff, that it, it doesn't matter, you know, that this, this has nothing to do with, with the way that we should be living. And I was like, whoa, I didn't know how to respond to Bill. And, you know, we walked out of the classroom, and I was scarred from that. I really was. I was so traumatized by this. I still get haunted by this. I still have memories and dreams going back to this, to this day that a person, that was the first time somebody really questioned my faith in carrying a Bible. Now, that's not the only time that's happened. I remember when I was in high school, I was working at a grocery store, and I remember as I was, I was a, uh, a bagger putting the groceries in the bag, and I remember... Um, uh, I bagged up a little light order for, for a person, and they picked it up, and they carried it out. And what I did, and I'm a Christian at this point, and then there was nobody else. There was nobody at the counters here checking out. There was just sort of like nothing here. So I pulled out my Bible. I kept it in a little spot underneath one of the counters, and I pulled out my Bible, and I just sort of stood there reading my Bible. And the check, uh, the, the cashier lady, the gal at the, the checker thing, was there. She was an adult lady, and she turned to me, and she saw what I was reading, and she says, are you kidding? Are you reading a Bible? And I go, yeah. She said the same thing. She says, no one believes in that anymore. And she actually called it an old-fashioned religion. She says, wow, you're into old-fashioned religion, aren't you? Are you a Bible thumper? I remember her saying that, and I was like, what in the world is a Bible thumper? I never heard of that one. I thought, Thumper, let's see, that's Bambi, right? The rabbit or something? I was like, I really couldn't make the connection here. But I was being ridiculed and stuff like that simply because of what I believed and um, because of the Bible. And they were saying, both of these people, Bill and this adult lady, were telling me that nobody really believes in this stuff anymore. It's old-fashioned to believe in it. <laughs> that God's word, it really does not apply. They don't apply to anything we live. No, his word, no, that don't apply. Because we live, and I love how both of them told me this, we live in a modern world. We're living in a modern world, so why should we have to listen to the Bible? The Bible does not pertain to us anymore. That's what they basically say. Sort of sad. But that's what was going on. And it's amazing because today this is going on all the time. I mean, we hear this happening all the time today, every society. Now let me tell you another little story, and this one happened here. Actually, it happened in this room. Many years ago, this is before we had the gathering place, and the Bible studies on Sunday nights were usually done in this room back in the early 2000s, and we were in here. After the Bible study was over, there were three guys that came up to me, and um, now these were college students, and they came up and they uh, got talking to me after our Bible lesson. And one said that he believed that God is relevant, and that the Word of God is relevant even to this day. That was what he said. Now this conversation happened right over here, right about where these microphone or these speakers are here in this room. I was sitting here. We actually just sat down. There were some chairs. We sat here and we talked. Everybody else had vacated the room. It was just the four of us in there. But the one guy of the three, he says, "Yeah, the, the word of God, I believe, is is relevant. It's important to us. It, it matters even today." The second guy said, "Well, I'm not so sure about that, because he said he's really not sure if it is relevant with today's modern society." that the Word of God might not be like that. He says, I'm, I'm really puzzled with this. I'm not sure myself. 
The third person who was sitting there, he, he was very adamant in what he said. He said most emphatically, no, God's word cannot be taken seriously. You guys don't really take it seriously, do you? You can't take this seriously today because today it's modern times. That was written in ancient times. It's, it doesn't matter today. It doesn't make any difference today. You can't live your life by what the word of God says. How about that? By the way, these three guys were working on summer staff. But this is the scary part. All three of these guys were studying to be ministers. Now the first guy, I, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, what he was saying and stuff, why did this thing disappear and go like that? I have no idea what happened. I don't know what happened, but we'll just, I don't know, we'll try and figure out where we're going here. But the one said that he believed that God's relevant and his word is relevant, okay, I, I, that's pretty good. And I believe that. I strongly believe that. Now, I don't know what happened to these three guys, but the second guy and the third guy, those things, I'll tell you, that scared me, particularly what the third guy was saying. And he's planning on being a minister. He might be. I don't know. I've lost track of him. But he might be pastoring a church today. With that type of attitude, that scares me. That is a terrifying thing. If you're a born-again Christian, that, sh <laughs> that should make you upset. That should really bother you, that someone would say something like that. But that's what happened as we were doing here so uh, and talking about this that uh, yeah God has to keep up with modern times that's what he said God has to keep up with modern man in modern times and modern culture the rules and stuff and the commands that you find in the Bible bear very little weight with people today because that was written centuries ago we're modern man we have grown so much in intellect and in technology those things do not apply to us anymore and I mean the conversation we had here he was just flooring me with stuff and I'm like wow really you really believe that so it's it's a scary way uh, of thinking and like I, I say if this person is really seriously going into ministry and stuff and what she might be today that that scares me even more because, as he said, what God said 2,000 years ago doesn't apply to modern man. Wow, really? Yeah. And all three of these men, by the way, are professing Christians. They were working here on summer staff, all professing Christians, and all three of these guys planning on being ministers, pastors of church. Wow. That is scary. That is very scary. So the question is, is this true? Is what that third guy saying, is that true? Because I'll tell you, I have heard that many times. I'm, matter of fact, I had a conversation with a person just last week on Facebook. Yes, I'm on Facebook. I have a lot of friends on Facebook, over 1,800 right now. And, and I do talk to them and I, you know, you know. But I have some friends that are on Facebook. One particular, we got in a conversation on the chat part of Facebook just this past week with the same take on the Bible and on God is what that third person had. And they're trying to tell me, Michael, you know, it doesn't matter. You, you, this whole Bible stuff, it's really nice you have those morals and stuff, but that's, that doesn't fit with today's society. That's what he was saying. So is this really true? Because this is something that we're being constantly hit with, particularly if you're a vocal Christian. If you are a Christian that has radically changed, been changed by the power of God, and you're not ashamed of it, I'm telling you, you will be hit by things like this all the time. I could say, too, if you believe you're a born-again Christian and you're not being bothered by anything in the world, no one ever questions your faith, no one ever ridicules your faith, boy, you must not be much of a threat to Satan and his kingdom is one way of looking at it. 
Because if you're on the front lines and you're taking flack and stuff, that means you're in the crosshairs of Satan and he's after you. Uh, leave that to you, what you think. Sort of evaluate your own life. But if this is true, if God has to keep up with modern society and stuff like this, if this is true, does that mean that man can influence God? Think about it. Can man influence God? Can man, by having advances in technology and culture, say, truly, say that God is obsolete, and if God can't keep up with us, we don't need to follow him? That is the take on many people, even many professing Christians, in their worldview today. And I'll tell you, that's not a biblical worldview. If that's true, what does that say about the character of God? If God can be swayed by sinful man, where God says one thing and our modern culture says something totally different, what does that say about God? If we say that God has to keep up with us, who's really the God here? It gets a little scary as you start thinking about this. And this is what I wanted you guys to focus on because this is what's going on in the world today, even in the Christian church today. And if God's character is in question, what does that mean theologically? Now, I didn't even touch a button and it did the same thing again. I have no idea what's going on. I have no idea. And I can't even get my mouse to come up now. Gee. But what does that say theologically about God? If we can dictate to God, I mean, really, that's what this comes down to. Can we dictate to God what's right and wrong? Can we dictate to God what is morally correct and what's morally incorrect? It, because if God has to do that, if he has to listen to us, if he has to go by what we say, haven't we become the God in this situation? Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, folks, the very character of God is under attack today. It is. Not just by atheists and agnostics. It's being attacked even in the Christian church. And we'll see some of that as we go on this summer with these studies that I'll be doing. So what I'm going to do, as I prayed many, many months, literally many months, um, at the end of the summer, I start praying, usually in September, okay, God, what do you want me to speak on next year? I, I did the marine biology trip um, in April, and I've already been praying, okay, God, what do you want me to speak on next year for that? So I, I pray ahead of time, waiting for God, because I, I really like to be ahead of things, and I like that God would just give me answers, but a lot of times he doesn't. Even though I was praying for this um, starting in like September last year, November, December, January, February, it got into uh, March and early April is when I finally started feeling God, God telling me what to speak on for you all. And let me show you what we're going to be doing. These are the topic things that we're going to cover. So in God's messages for modern society, one of the things that we're going to look at, can God dictate, or can, I'm sorry, can society dictate how God moves? In other words, does God have to change to fit with society? Because that is what a lot of people are preaching today. That God has to change and keep up with modern times. That God has to change? Hmm. Well, that's going to be our topic next week. Does God change? Another thing that we're going to look at in the next week is, has God's word been compromised? Because God's word 
was given to us directly by God himself. And then if God changes, that means his word could be compromised. And other people, there are people going around today saying that God's word has been compromised. Uh, people have made millions on this. Have you heard of the Dan Brown book, The Da Vinci Code? The premise of that book was based on this thing right here, that God's word has been compromised. And not only The Da Vinci Code, have you ever heard of a guy named Bart Ehrman? He's written some bestsellers. He has made millions of dollars on books like Misquoting Jesus, The Gloss Gospels, and many other things. We'll talk about him later on. But he has said that the, the word of God, you cannot trust it. It's been compromised by Christians who wanted to make Christianity their own way. Constantine started all this. And Dan Brown picked up on this whole thing, too, and wrote it in his book. Really? How do we know that the word of God is accurate? How do we know that God's word has not changed? How do we know? The church leaders did not, back at the time of Constantine, around 325, change the entire premise of the, of the New Testament to fit their own way of believing and, and their own religion. That's going to be our topic in two weeks. Then we're going to talk about this. God stated in his word that there was only one way to eternal life. Jesus was very emphatic about that. Does that still hold true today? Because I'm going to show you quotes from many people who say that that is not the case anymore. People you know of, people who are very famous. And there's been even pastors of megachurches that have now changed their theology on this, saying that Jesus is not the only way to get to heaven. There are many other ways of doing it. Really, is that true? I've had people say to me, I remember a student one time told me, I know, I know Michael, that you really believe that Jesus is the only way to get to God. I said, yeah, that's correct. And she said to me, wow, what a narrow view you have. How would you say, what would you respond to when someone said that to you? This is right in a class. This happened right in a class. Yeah. Yep. Talk about the narrow path. Jesus, I mean, he was very emphatic. He says, the path to heaven is very narrow. Few find it. The path to hell, really wide. Most people go there. Do you realize that hell, Jesus says, is going to be more populated than heaven? True. But that's what she said to me. What a narrow view you have. Wow. I'm glad I'm not like that, she said. She says, I believe there's many ways of getting there. Well, we'll talk about that as we get here. Um, a fourth lesson that we're going to do now, this one is really important. I wish I could literally just skip right to this one because this one is probably the most important one I will do all summer. And because of, its, of what it says, and then the question is, is the faith, is faith still required for salvation? Or is faith changed? Is there other types of faith and stuff like this? What kind of faith is actually needed to be saved? Because I will tell you, there's different types of faith. The Bible tells us there's different types of faith, that there is a faith that saves and there is a faith that does not save. It's true. So we're going to talk about this. And because of the, the severity of this topic, because of the seriousness of this topic, I want to take two days, two nights that we will spend this. Because there's no way I can cover that in just 30 minutes. I've got to have at least an hour. Actually, I'd love to have the whole summer just to talk about this, but they won't let me do that. Um, so, oh, we're going to be in the book of James on that one. And we're going to explain a lot of things. What type of faith is needed for salvation? And then we're going to do this. If God does not change, which is what our theme is this summer, I do not change, Malachi 3.6, 
if God does not change, why do we have an old covenant then being replaced by a new covenant? You ever thought about that? I got asked that by somebody on the marine biology trip this past April. Somebody actually asked me, they said, it was, the, it was on Easter Sunday, because we had done communion at the beach, or at the, at the dock, right there on the ocean's uh, edge, and after the, our service was over, a person asked me, they said, you know, it says that, uh, that Jesus came in and he was saying at the, at the Last Supper, I'm, I'm starting a new covenant. What was wrong with the old one? Why do we have a new one? And, and is there another covenant coming? What's going on with all these covenants? Is God changing and that's the way we're having to do this? Is that why? So we're going to cover this. And on this night, we're going to do communion. So it's a sort of a shorter lesson. We're going to do communion. Um, we do that sometimes with the summer staff, and I, I will lead that. I can do that. I'm an ordained reverend. I really am. You can call me Reverend Lane. I won't answer, but you can call me that. I am an ordained minister, yes. But, um, so I will, we will do communion that night, and I will do communion with you. But the, there's a sixth lesson also I want to show you. Does, does the way that we live our lives, and this will be our last lesson, does the way that we live our lives in this modern society, does it really make a difference on the way that we follow God? Or can sim we simply choose a God to fit our needs? Or Let me look at, put it to you this way. Once I become saved, does that mean I am free to live my life in any way I want because my sins are forgiven? What do you think about that? So we're going to talk about that. So these are the different lessons that we're going to be covering this summer. And I want you to think very carefully. If God does change, what does that do to doctrine? What does that do with the doctrine that Christianity is built upon? If if God can be changed and swayed by society, if society can say, well, God, that's old-fashioned. You've got to catch up with modern times. God, I don't, you know, you're a little slow at this. Well, for one, is that a way to talk to a holy God? But does God really need to, to do that to stay relevant? What would happen to God's character if he does change? That is a serious question I want you to think about tonight. What actually happens to God's character of who God is, what God is, his attributes and stuff, if that is true, if God has to change? Uh, because what you're saying, can a man really force God to follow his plans as to what's right and wrong? Do we have the right to do that? Well, there's more of us than there is God. Do we have the right? Does democracy rule on this? What's God say about that? I want you to think about that. If God changes, what does that really say about who God is? If he can be swayed by modern man and his society and stuff. And they say, because he's modern, we're modern today, God's got to keep up. And I'll tell you, there's a flaw in that argument right here. Really? If modern society, because we are what we call modern society, if we are modern society, God has to change to keep up with us. What do you think the Romans called themselves? Do you think when the Romans 2,000 years ago, do you think they called themselves backwoods or they called themselves you know, non-technically or you know, way back and not a modern society? Don't you think the ancient Romans called themselves modern? I mean, they built these massive theaters like this one here at Caesarea. Do you know the Romans actually were able to develop cities with sewer systems under the streets? Like what we do today? The ancient Romans. Do you know the ancient Romans had fountains shooting water up into the air, just like we see today? Do you know that the ancient Romans 
to some cities to get hot water, they found hot springs and they piped, made stone pipes hundreds of miles long and piped the water through that. They also did this off of glaciers where the water was cold and they had the water piped into cities that way. They made roads that go all over the world. Many of these roads are still in use today. You're gonna call that a backward society? Don't you think the Romans at their time were actually thinking they were the modern society? So if you use this premise, well, God has to keep up with us because we're modern. What's modern? The Romans thought they were modern, and they weren't the only ones. What about, okay, say after the Romans, what about the time of the Renaissance? Don't you think that the Renaissance, people thought they were modern? Of course they did. Or what about you get to the age of enlightenment? After that, you get to the age of reason. Don't you think these people thought they were modern? Our founding fathers living through this time period, don't you think they thought they were modern? So to say today that, oh, you know, we're modern, and that's why God has to change. <laughs> that's, that argument could have been used ever since ancient times. That's a, that's a really flawed argument that people have. Each age thinks they're modern. I mean, when I was born, back when the earth was cooling, we didn't have internet, we didn't have modem. I still remember having a guy come to our school one night after school back in the early 1980s explaining to us what a modem was. And it was the most amazing thing, because we were saying, wait a minute, we can talk to somebody through a computer line? Through the phone? Well, yeah, we can talk to people on the phone, but you can actually see images and stuff? And it comes up on your computer? Wow! Are we modern? And we had computers like Apple II Pluses. They had like a memory of 16K, and that was huge. And we had Commodore computers that didn't run on CDs or anything like that, or DVDs and things, or flash drives, they worked on cassettes. And you would put this thing on, I remember having a game, I had a Texas computer, Texas Instruments computer, and it had, not a little cassette, but it had a floppy uh, three inch drive, or a floppy disk, and it was five and a quarter inch floppy thing. You stuck this inside here, you closed the door, and then to play the game, I remember I could do that. Put that in there, turn it on, let it start reading the information. I remember going to the bathroom, coming out of the bathroom, going into the kitchen, getting something to eat, and then coming back and sitting down and waiting about another 10 seconds for this thing to load up. And it was a whole like 32K. You know, whoa! And we thought we were modern. You know? People have the flush toilet. Ooh, you're modern. <laughs> I just remember going over to my granny's house when I was still a kid, even in high school. She didn't have running water in her house. She had an outhouse. She even had a well outside. You had to drop a bucket in to get water. And I'll never forget when we finally, my dad helped put a toilet and running water, piping water into her house. And she was like, wow, modern conveniences. Amazing. <laughs> Do you know water running toilets actually goes back to the time of the Romans? You come with me to Israel, I will take you into some ancient Roman homes and I will show you a water-run toilet sitting inside these houses. It really, they had that. Water was being piped in, you went to the bathroom over the top of all this, it splashed in there, oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that, but it, it was deposited in there, that's a little nicer, I hate when it splashes, that's always bad. And then, and then it, it flows out of the house and it goes into the sewer system. The Romans, the ancient Romans actually had that, they did. They were modern. So that's what we're getting into here. That's what we're gonna be talking about this summer as we do this kind of thing, because all these societies think they're modern, but if God has to change his character to stay concurrent with modern man, what does that say about God? And we have to be very careful with that. 
If you've never thought of that, which I doubt many of you have, I want you tonight to think of that. If God has to change, what does that tell us about God? As I said, I was traumatized when I was in sixth grade by this kid named Bill, and I, I didn't know how to respond to it. I remember going home and just really thinking, wow, people thought then that this religion, this old-fashioned religion, is a thing of the past. Well, there was a group, a music group, that I used to love to listen to, and it was called the Oak Ridge Boys. And this is where I cut my teeth in music, was on the Oak Ridge Boys. And now, those of you who know about Hodag Fest, the Oak Ridge Boys are coming to Hodag Fest this year. I am probably not gonna go see them. I don't go to Hodag Fest. I do not have the virus called country music in me. Um, I, I, tonight I came home and I went, was having supper with my wife and she had this country music stuff on and I was like, man, that is really twangy. What in the world are you listening to? She says, this is old country. And I was like, yeah, right. For those of you who do not know, the Oak Ridge Boys used to be a gospel group. They sang gospel. And um, today they, they have crossed over, they do a lot of things. Yes, it's the group that does Elvira. Remember that? That's still way before your time, I'm sure. But anyway, but this was, uh, um, I had this album. Um, matter of fact, I still have, I think, this album. But there was a song that they sang that I remember going home after my encounter with Bill, and even my encounter when I was in high school with the lady at the grocery store who told me I was old-fashioned stuff, and I went home and I remember um, struggling with what they had called me and what they had said to me, and I wanted, I needed some comfort. So what I did is I often do, I turned to music, and there was a song that the Oak Ridge Boys did, and I put this on, on my, uh, my record player. I know you don't know what those are. Um, <laughs> it's a thing that turned on a big wheel, and um, I put my record player on, and there was a song that the Oak Ridge Boys made a hit of. It's called I Know. And I'm just gonna tell you the lyrics to this. It's real simple. Some people say that this old-time religion is just a thing of the past. But in this modern age that we're living, it's the only thing that will last. Now you may think that I'm a little old-fashioned. Well, friend, that's all right with me. Because I am so glad that I am a Christian. And from sin, I have been set free. I know, I know, there's no doubt about it. He lives in my heart, and I'm going to shout it. I know, I know, my sins are forgiven. And I'm on my way to a place that's called heaven. So I went home and I played that over and over. I was not going to yield to the peer pressure or to even an adult telling me that I'm old-fashioned. Fine, call me old-fashioned. I know this is real. I know it's real. And I hope you do too. Let's close. Father, we thank you so much for this time we've had here tonight. And just as we're just getting an introduction into this, this is just the start, but Lord, I pray that you protect our minds and the minds of all these people. And Lord, those who are listening to the recording of this um, off the website, I pray too that you would protect the minds of everybody who's listening. That Lord, you would help them to see that your word is true, that, Lord, you do not change. Man can't force you to change. You tell us over and over, as we'll explore next week in this next lesson, that you do not change. Help us to realize that. But, Lord, also help us to realize that a lot of people believe that and how we can combat that and to realize also that if we could, if man could influence you, what does that really say about your character? 
So be with us throughout this summer. I ask that you would bless each person who's listening. And Lord, help us, even with the hard questions, to dig deeply into this to find what the truth is. Over 79 times in the Bible, Lord, you call yourself by the name of truth. You are truth. So bless us and keep us safe. In Jesus' name, amen.